Hello, my dear curious friend. Welcome to yet another episode of the Curious Power Podcast Sessions. Today, I am meeting you with Jack. Now, Jack is a very, very curious person. He is posting on his blog self-guided tours. And he, just like me, realized that London has a lot to offer. And he's doing those researches. He's curious about those places in London, places that usually people will just pass by and we'll mention that in the podcast. So I'm really looking forward to introduce Jack to you where we're going to be talking about five of his favorite Tudor buildings in London. Let's go. Hello, Jack. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us here. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. I'm I'm kind of excited for this episode because uh, we're going to be talking about Tudor buildings and you, you you shared a brief sneak through, you know, I have an article on that. And I just, and I told you before we started recording that I'm really curious what you're going to tell me. I didn't read the article. I just saw the buildings. I'm really curious <laughs> what you're going to tell us about the Tudor buildings because you're a tour guide, you said, aren't you? Uh, no, no, not a tour guide. Um, so I've just uh, started the blog living london history um back in september so basically on there i do um blogs about london history kind of like hidden gems unusual bits of history um, but also self-guided walks i put on there so maybe that's where you got the talk that's why i got confused yes (laughs) where is where is passion came from uh the passion um well i've always loved history um so i i studied history at uni. I've always liked reading history, always been interested in it. Um, And I've always liked um, kind of exploring cities and getting to know cities um, sort of inside out, you know, going on walking tours and things like that. Um, So, yeah, I I moved to London. Well, I grew up in Essex, so not far from London. Um, So I know London, I, I did know London sort of pretty well I knew it through like sort of like day trips and visiting my partner lived in London for a long time so I, I knew it pretty well but I moved to London properly um in August of last year um so oh, I actually got a job in June but I, I lived got a flat here in August and so yeah I just started exploring the city obviously with lockdown um yeah. there's not much else to do <laughs> but also that is something that I enjoy doing but it meant that I had even more time to do it uh, sort of exploring the city getting to know it um and that's how the sort of blog was started really wow Does, well that that's really interesting because it, i started in a similar way so i came to london and that's where i started doing my videos because i started the videos because i saw a lot of people that live in london but they ignore what's happening they just book holidays to other countries while if you think about it there are many people around the world that pay for flights to come to UK. You know, they're paying to come to your destination here in London and you're just going away without exploring here. So um, <laughs> I, I understand I understand the, how you, you started and I really like that. So I'm really curious, uh, unless you want to state something else about you, that if there's something curious, uh, uh, maybe we can move on. Yeah, yeah, let's move on, yeah. Let's move on, okay, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about Tudor London then. Um, you said uh, you're gonna have. We're gonna talk about five Tudor buildings here in London. Shall we start mentioning them? Yeah, I mean, so the 
as you mentioned earlier, I've got a blog post on this. So I do a mm. top 10. I like, I've done a couple. So I've done a top 10 Georgian um, London spots um, and a top 10 Tudor London spots currently. Mm. Um, but I thought maybe we could cover sort of five today, five that we can sort of talk about um, more generally and give us insights into Tudor London more generally as well. Um, so the first one, which is actually uh, the second one on the blog, is the Henry VII Chapel. But by the way, just, uh, just a real, real quick one. When you said, when, you, when we talk about Instagram, about that, and when you said, I know, you know, maybe Georgian or Tudor era, I was like, I, I kind of know the Tudor era. I hope he says Georgian. And you said, oh, let's talk about the Tudor era. I'm like, damn it. I opened the blog post, but then I saw that not all the buildings I know, like, okay, that could be actually interesting. Uh, so yeah, you, I, picked yeah, top, was... you picked top 10, oh, okay. but from this top 10, we're going to pick top five. So let's talk yeah, about the well, top five yeah. Tudors and maybe next time we can talk about the top five Georgian. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so the, yeah, the, the, the first one that I thought um, we could talk about is the Henry VII Chapel, which is part of Westminster Abbey. Um, and I've kind of picked this one because um, as the name suggests, it was built in the reign of Henry VII, who was obviously the first Tudor. So it feels like a, suitable one to um to start on basically okay. mm -hmm. um so yeah it's called the henry the seventh chapel or the lady chapel um and it was built uh, as i say in the reign of henry the seventh um and construction began in about 1503 so henry the seventh came to the throne in 1485 after the battle of bosworth um and so yeah 18 years in um he started building this so Kind of the thing with this is that obviously we take it for kind of for granted that the Tudor dynasty is this sort of powerful dynasty that sits so sort of strongly in our, when we think of British history and that kind of thing and strong monarchs and, you know, strong characters. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously for Henry VII as the first Tudor, this wasn't quite such a sure thing. He had to sort of solidify his claim to the throne. He had to, um, sort of consolidate his legacy and his dynasty, the Tudor dynasty. Um, and one of the ways he did this was by building this chapel, basically, this beautiful chapel, um, this amazing piece of sort of late medieval architecture, essentially. Um, so the aim of it was to, um, he wanted to canonise Henry VI, um, who he was related. That was kind of his claim to the throne. His ancestor was Henry VI, so he wanted to make him a saint, to sort of solidify that claim um and he wanted to bury him move his body to this grand new chapel um and he also wanted it as a place to bury himself his um and other people in the tudor dynasty essentially henry the sixth didn't actually end up getting canonized um but where he wanted henry the sixth to be buried in the lady chapel or henry the seventh chapel he ended up getting buried Henry VII and his uh, wife. Um, but yeah, it's amazing, amazing building. The ceiling in particular with the sort of um, a fan uh, vaulted ceiling is is incredible. Uh, but there's 15, 15 kings and queens buried here in wow. Henry VII Chapel. I have been yeah. to, to the Abbey. I made that tour and I remember seeing that place, but I didn't, 
I didn't know uh, what's happening. I mean, I didn't. There's nobody to tour us, you know, to tell us about the stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is that an extension to the Abbey? So the Abbey was there already, and he just added an extension, or how that worked? Yeah, the the Abbey was there already in some sense. Yeah. I don't quite know the history of the rest of the building as well, but yeah, this was essentially a chapel that was added on to the to the Abbey. Okay. Oh wow. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Um, is there anything else about this place, or or you would like to move to the next one? Um, no, we'll move to the next one. That sounds right. good. Um, so yeah, the, the the next one that I have is St John's Gate. Have you heard of that one? No. Tell me about it. Uh, so St John's Gate is in uh, sort of Clerkenwell, Islington sort of area. It's a bit of like a symbol of Clerkenwell, and I actually hadn't heard of it either before moving to London. I feel like it's not really a tourist destination mm -hmm. necessarily but it's a bit of like a london history geek kind of place basically <laughs> um so yeah this one was built in 1503 so the year after um the henry the seventh chapel so again in the reign of henry the seventh um and it was the southern entrance to the clerkenwell priory um so i thought it'd be interesting to talk about this one um because it gives us an insight into the uh, Institute of London. So before um, Henry VIII and the dissolution of the monasteries, um, loads of land kind of in the city, outside the city, was owned by the church um, and by uh, monasteries, um, of one of which was the Clerkenwell um, Priory. Um, and then after that, so it's probably one of the biggest changes in terms of, if not the biggest change it has sort of land use in london um, when the monasteries were dissolved and all this land was taken by the crown given out to courtiers sort of favored nobles and that kind of thing um, for them to do whatever they wish with so start building houses on and that kind of thing and that sort of really started the sort of growth spurt of london that's never really stopped essentially um so the clerkenwell priory was the uh headquarters of the knights of the order of saint john or the knights hospitaller which is their more common name so this was one of the crusading orders um kind of the younger brother not related but for the knights templar the, the knights templar are the more well-known order um i would say but the knights hospitaller were also a, a crusading order um and yeah the monastery was dissolved by henry the eighth um the gate is the only surviving fragment of that monastery essentially um so it looks quite medieval and you can actually go on tours of it apparently i haven't um, been able to go on one obviously i moved to london during um lockdown pretty much so yeah, my where i've now. actually been able to oh well, yeah exactly <laughs> well the places i've actually been able to visit are quite uh, limited really um but yeah so it's the last remaining and the, the, what i was going to say was the victorians added as they did with quite a lot of other places as well they made it look more medieval um so they added the crenellations on top to make it look more sort of castle-like um yeah they added a few other features um but it makes it look like a very interesting building and it is a very interesting building um but after the dissolution of the monasteries it was used for various different um sort of uses it was used as a printing house um dr samuel johnson a very famous londoner who wrote the 
one of the first English dictionaries works there as a writer. Um, there's also the childhood home of the artist, very famous London artist, uh, William Hogarth. His dad was a, ran a coffee shop um, from the gate. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's seen a lot of various interesting uses over, the, over its lifespan. Um, but yeah, as I say, it's not one that I'd heard of before moving to London. Um, it's a bit off the beat, well, yeah, off the beaten sort of tourist track, definitely. Um, but I feel like it's one that more people should know. It's very interesting. All right. Well, thanks for letting us know about this. Um, okay, by the way, the, the, the five destinations that you're mentioning here, are they ranked in your mind, like worst to best, best to worst, or are you just giving them random? I'm just curious. Um, so in the blog, I have done... I've said top 10 and done 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. You know, I have sort of ordered them. Obviously, it's quite different. They're all very different. So it's quite hard to actually sort of pick a favorite kind of thing. Uh, I've ended um, with the Tower of London in my, uh, there's a couple of Tudor bits of the Tower of London. Obviously, it, it, yeah. it's a big sort of symbol of London, an important building in London. So that's kind of why I ended on that one. But I wouldn't necessarily say it's my favorite. Okay. <laughs> You're very diplomatic. You're like, you know, it's like I ask you which which, which children is your your favorite one. You're like, oh, oh, I don't have a favorite one. <laughs> I like them all. I like them all equally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, makes sense. I understand they're they're quite different. I just thought maybe you have a um, a favorite one, but no problem. Okay, uh, that was number two. Moving to number three. So number three. Oh gosh, what are we gonna say about number three? So um, Saint Andrew Undershaft is uh, an interesting one. Have you heard of this church? It's a, I thought it's a shaft or something like that. <laughs> I didn't know it's a church, no? Well, it, it is related to a shaft in some, in some way, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, it's called, obviously, it's quite an unusual name, St. Andrew Undershaft. So it's this yeah. church in the city of London, as you can see, quite near the Gherkin yeah. um, from the... From those photos there um so being a church on that spot as as is the case very often for london sort of places have uses that sort of continue through the through the centuries and millennia um but there being a church on this spot since the 12th century um but the current incarnation that you can see um in the photos on the screen is and today is was built in 1532 mm -hmm. so in the Tudor period. Um, so the rather unusual name is an interesting story. So there was a medieval tradition that would take place at the crossroads outside the church, essentially, sort of May Day festivities. So they'd put up a maypole in the street. Everyone would sort of dance around it, drinking, merriment, all that kind of stuff. Um, and the, the pole that they used, the maypole that they used was massive. So it was bigger than the it was taller than the church itself. Um, so that's why the church is called under shaft because it was shorter than this pole they'd put up every year um, during May Day. Oh, so the pole. So hold on, explain a bit more for me. So the, what, what do you mean the pole? So they put up a maypole. You heard of a maypole? Like a, like a, a really long pole, basically. Okay. That every people sort of dance around. Um, Okay. With, so, like ribbons and things like that. So, uh, they so, pull, the, so they put it next to the church? Yeah, it was kind of at the crossroads. So um, I don't know whether you could see from those photos, there's, it, it's on a corner. 
and there's a crossroads there um and it would take place those the festivities would take place yearly there um i think it was like a one or two week long it was quite a long um festival um okay. that that might be wrong it might just be a day um but the <laughs> uh the, the yeah as i say the pole was taller than the church tower that you can see on the screen and so that's why it was called under shaft um so and you can the, see it on so was the church original name St Andrews and then when they saw how things are happening with the pole they just added undershaft or was the case That's a good question I'm not sure I, I I when I was researching it I don't remember there being a previous name it was a medieval tradition so maybe the the sorry tradition was there before the church I don't know oh, okay. um who knows uh, but yeah the the another interesting sort of fact about the 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 maypole is that when they took it down every year they needed somewhere to store it so they stored it on hooks in an alley nearby and that alley was called shaft alley so um oh. that's another link with the, with the name um and you can see a replica actually you can see a replica of the the maypole on the building i think it's the cheese grater um building just next to the church on the other side you couldn't quite see it in those photos but there's a replica of the maypole not as tall as the original but still interesting have you seen it the pole yeah yes all right yeah is it's it, like is it something like that uh, um oh well that's the top of it on one of those photos oh yeah the the one above it maypole london remembers click on that one the one above that sorry oh there you go you can see it there so it's it's under the um cheese grater building sort of in the entrance oh. area well that's curious you know look, look at these people like and for everybody who's listening you know probably wait for a week to to the video <laughs> to show up <laughs> and have a look you just see a a, a, a pole which has colors of a carnival or something and there is a group of yeah. people uh right next to it chatting and that's the that's the beauty of for me about traveling in london and why i started doing videos because people are passing by pieces of history and they don't realize what what is just next to them uh well that's amazing next that, time i'm in that funny. area i'll definitely take a selfie with that stick and i'll send it to you <laughs> <laughs> yes do 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 definitely um all cool. right yeah that was great okay uh next destination <laughs> next destination um so i thought i mean So this one isn't an actual real London building, but I still think it's it's interesting. And I did put it in the blog. It's the Globe on the South Bank. So obviously it's a reconstruction of a Tudor building, but the very theater. accurate. I mean the Globe the theater, theater. Globe theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Globe Theater. Um, okay. So it's not. It was built in the well, the one that we have today was built in the 1990s as a replica of the one that was there in the 16th century oh. as well. 16th. Century. yeah um so but it was built with the same sort of building techniques and building materials and that kind of thing um so yeah it's very sort of authentic um it fits a lot less people in than it did back then due to fire uh health and safety regulations that's one of the changes um but yeah the original one was actually not quite on that site it was on a slightly different site and you can see There's a plaque where the old Globe Theatre uh, used to be. They actually only found it not that long ago. Um, well, 
in the last sort of few decades, I think, when they were doing a bit of building work, they found the exact site of the old globe. Um, but a fun fact about the one we have today, that a fun fact that I love is that the, the globe that we have today has actually been there longer or been standing longer than the original one. Um, so the original globe was built in 1599 by um, Shakespeare's, uh, well, the theatre company that Shakespeare was a, a, a member of, um, the Chamberlain's Men, but it burned down in 1613. So during a um, production of Henry VIII, Yes, the cannon, they, a cannon went off and it burned the whole place down. So the one that we have today has been there longer than the original, which is quite, uh, I found quite interesting when I found that out. Um, but yeah, so I, in terms of how that links in with the rest of Tudor London, basically Bankside was the, which is where the Globe was, was the sort of entertainment district of Tudor London. Um, so it was outside the um, boundaries of the authority of the city of London. So um, that's where you'd get your theatres, your brothels, lots of um, taverns, things like that. Basically where all the naughty fun stuff <laughs> could take place. So in yeah, a way, the West End now was the bank site during the Tudor time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, it was actually, I mean, it was under the uh, jurisdiction or a lot of it was under the jurisdiction of the bishops of Winchester. And you can see um, the only remaining part of the palace of the bishops of Winchester that was on Bankside is that sort of, uh, it's part of a chapel. You see it's near sort of, it's near the globe um, and the replica of the Golden Hind and the clink and all that kind of stuff. Um but he, the Bishop of Winchester, was able to license brothels um, in Bankside. So he would take um, license money from these brothels, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. Um, to be fair, I, I got a bit confused because I know this globe as Shakespeare's globe. Um, yeah. But I, I thought I thought when you said the globe, I thought about a different building, uh, something next to Tower of London. But... Um, Shakespeare's Globe is, uh, is an attraction that you can visit. And if you get the London Pass, you can visit for free as well. And I think I remember, because I did a video about the London Pass, if I remember correctly, you can visit a play for free during the summer. Um, um, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. The plays are great. I've, I've seen a couple of plays at the Globe. They're, you the have comedies seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, wow. they're brilliant. It, yeah, as I say, it's, it's very authentic in terms of you are viewing a play very much how a um, person in Tudor London would have viewed a play. So you can get really cheap tickets and stand in the pit. You can see those people standing by the stage there, yeah. or you can pay a bit more and sit up in the stalls, I guess you'd call them, and you can hire a cushion for a pound and that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's a really, really great experience. I'd definitely recommend that to anyone visiting London. Mm. Ah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that now. Well, as soon as uh, stuff... As soon as it opens, yeah. They, yeah, they also do a really interesting backstage tour, uh, which I've been on. So you can, they take you backstage and they talk about the, see the history of the theatre and generally a bit about sort of the history of Bankside and that kind of thing. So yeah, mm -hmm. another highly recommended one. All right, excellent. And what is your last spot? <sighs> I can't, choose, there's two I can't choose between, but... All I right, let's, <laughs> okay, let's do both then. Let's give one bonus. Let's, let's give one bonus. <laughs> 
So, um, so this one actually, I would say probably is my current favorite. So I do have a favorite. You lied to me. You pulled it out of me. Um, <laughs> have you heard? Uh, yeah, Symbol Bartholomew's Gatehouse again in Clark and Well. Um, so it's, it's basically my favorite because of the, the the aesthetics of it, the look of it. Is, I think it's a really um, beautiful building. So, and I feel like it's very evocative of sort of past Tudor London and those kind of streets behind it uh, where you get into um, Cloth Fair and St Bartholomew the Great. It feels like old London sort of narrow alleyways and overhanging buildings and that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, this one was built in 1595, so during the reign of Elizabeth I, towards the end of her reign, and it was built over the top of... So you've got... That's the... the, the the house at the top, the the timbered, the classic sort of black and white timbered Tudor look. Mm -hmm. um, and it was built over the top of a 13th century medieval arch. So that used to be part of uh, St. Bartholomew the Great, um, which is the church behind it. Uh, but again, after the dissolution of the monasteries, lots of the land got passed to people to develop and build houses on that kind of thing. Um, so this house was built in 1595 on top of it. Um, Another interesting thing about this building is that amazingly it was the, the Tudor facade that you can see on the screen at the moment. Um, like, as I say, with the black and white timber thing and the, and the arch, it, the, the facade of the timbered bit was covered up um, in the Georgian period. It was covered up um, with a sort of plain, I don't know what the material would be, plastery thing. Um, there are photos if you, I don't know what you would Google, but Georgian St. Bartholomew's or something like that. Um, yeah, maybe that. Okay, so why do, why do you think they covered it? I don't know. It's, it seems, oh, there you go. Scroll down. You can see it. Um, middle row. That one. Yeah. So why do you think you don't, they, they, maybe they didn't like the, the period? Well, they were, it looks like maybe they've extended it out a bit or, or I mean, I think obviously architecture has sort of fashions and maybe the Tudor yeah. kind of old timbered look wasn't uh, fashionable in that time. That probably, uh, that is probably the reason. Um, but it was only exposed. We only knew about it because of a bomb. So a Zeppelin um, dropped a bomb that landed on the building or near the building and it blew off the, the front of the building essentially. And it revealed this amazing um, sort of Tudor facade behind it. Um, so we're actually, I think probably pretty lucky that we, wow. that we've got it. Oh, it's there. So yeah, quite an amazing story really. Yeah. That, that is crazy. You know, we, we forget what's been happening in the past and it's just like, Oh, SM, in, in Bulgaria, when they start digging the, you know, for, to make the underground in Sofia in the capital, it took them mm. so long because they dig somewhere like, Oh, they did Roman uh, ancient city over here. Oh, we need to go around and then take some time to e explore it, you know, brush it all over and take some time. But yeah, yeah. amazing. All right. Well, that is a, um, yeah, is, yeah go that, that, I'd say that's my favorite. <laughs> All right. It looks really nice. It's uh, next to Spitafield Market. Uh, Spitafield Market. Uh, so it, in the Barbican area, you have a uh, few options there. Um, and then, yeah. what, what is the, what is the last one? 
Um, so the last one, and it's the last one on the blog actually, is the Tower of London. Um, specifically, I talk about um, the Queen's House. Um, so that's um, if you type in the Queen's House Tower of London, that will come up. Mm. Um, so again, it's got the the nice sort of white and black sort of Tudor um, look that everyone loves. Um, obviously, the Tower of London in general is packed full of interesting sort of Tudor history. It was where Anne Boleyn was executed. The story that um, people find really interesting is probably that one more than anything. Um, I mean, the, the misconception is that Anne Boleyn actually stayed in these buildings before she was executed. That's actually not true. It was in the Queen's house, but it was a slightly different um, sort of iteration. Um, so this one was constructed in 1540. So obviously still very old and only a few years after she was executed. Um, and now it's the it's where the Yeoman warders, sort of the, the staff that work um, at the Tower of London and look mm -hmm. after it and do all the ceremonies and tours and that kind of thing. That's where they, uh, that's where some of their lodgings are. Um, but a, a sort of interesting tale that comes along with this building. Um, so as I say, it's not where Anne Boleyn lived, um, mm -hmm. but it was where a sort of lesser known potential queen of England um, was imprisoned and died. Um, so she uh, was called Lady Arbella Stuart. Uh, she was born in 1575 and she was the cousin of James VI of Scotland. Um, so he was a distant cousin of Elizabeth I, essentially. So she had a claim to the throne through that. Um, and in the final years of Elizabeth I's reign, she was named as second in line. So Lady Arbella Stuart was named second in line after James VI of Scotland mm. um, and first of England. So obviously they were the Stuarts. That's where the Stuart um, name comes in there. Um, and in 1610, she married uh, William Seymour. Um, so he was also actually a claimant to the throne just about. Um, he sort of had a, an ancestor or whatever. I'm not sure of the ins and outs of that one. Um, and it was against the king's orders. So the king didn't want them to marry, probably because that would then be a marriage of two claimants. Um, but anyway, he didn't want them to marry. He arrested them both um, because they got married. She was imprisoned in the queen's house here. Uh, she escaped, actually. Um, so before she was arrested, she escaped and disguised herself as a man and made her way to France to meet William, who was there waiting for her. Um, but she was recaptured, unfortunately, um, aboard a ship going to France to meet him and was imprisoned here at the Queen's house. Uh, so she was actually imprisoned twice. But and she essentially stayed here until the end of her life. So she died there. It said she basically went mad um, and delusional. Um, so, and, uh, and if you believe in sort of, or interested in <laughs> ghost stories and things like that, she said to haunt the queen's house, um, which kind of makes sense. Um, if you believe in that kind of thing, but yeah, apparently she refused to eat that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, an interesting story that I, I don't think many people know and an interesting character, an interesting person that I don't think not many people have heard of. Wow, it's it's what's crazy for me. Probably the most crazy thing is that there are people that live in these areas over there now. The staff that yeah. works in the Tower of London, and it's I haven't seen uh, much of that, you know, the inside of that area. But I wouldn't think it's really, really, really modernized. I wouldn't think inside <laughs> is really modernized. No, no, I don't. 
I doubt it. I imagine very creaky floorboards and things like that. Have you been to Tower of London? Have you done the tour? Uh, I haven't done the tour. I went um, late, maybe November of last year. No, January, I think. I think I went in January before we went into another lockdown again and things were open. Whether that was the end of last year or the beginning of this year, I can't remember. It's all a bit of a blur. But I went, unfortunately, a couple of things were shut. It didn't make a huge difference. I mean, it was lovely because it was so quiet. Um, so usually, obviously, if you want to see the crown jewels, um, which, to be honest, is kind of the most boring bit for me. I don't, I don't actually find that. But there's usually a massive, great, big, long queue, and you all sort of shuffle past. But when I went in January, straight in, round, it was almost without the ceremony of queuing and all that kind of stuff. I didn't. I almost didn't realize I'd seen them. It was so quick. I was like, "Oh, they were the brown jewels." <laughs> I could go around again if I wanted. Yeah, I, you know? I didn't wait. It's too much of a queue. I'm like, well, "No, thanks." Yeah. I, I mean, no. uh, it, you should. You know, they're interesting to see, but there's obviously a lot of hype around. It's more. I feel like it's more of a tourist thing, maybe. I agree. I agree. Uh, this. Here's something. Here's something curious, though, uh, for you, maybe because I see that we have uh, similar nature. We like these facts. Maybe, maybe you don't know that. Um, the Tower of London hasn't seen many people executed, by the way, because they didn't execute, you know, this and that guy. They executed royals, and there weren't many royals that were executed. Uh, and the last yeah. person, but but the last person to be executed was during the Second World War, which is not that yeah. so long ago. And yeah. and another thing is that when they had when the tower was built, you know, and, and all these walls around, the land over there is not suitable for um, to grow some crops, right? But they need to. Right. Yeah, yeah. So what they did is they started they started charge everybody who passes the river. So they 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 put a <laughs> they put a fee and like oh you want to pass okay and that's how they were making money. Uh, right. I'm not sure if that, that, that. that yeah. yeah, I mean, related to the the executions thing, the 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 century where the most executions took place in the Tower of London was the 20th century. As you say, the la the, the last person to be executed was at the Tower wasn't that long ago. It was during the Second World War, and it was um, I think they they executed spies That's there, right. they executed yeah. deserters and things like that. So yeah, 20th century was when the most executions at the Tower of London took place, which is a crazy fact. It is a it is a crazy. Think about it that it, it's a such a such an old building. Uh, so what ten ten sixty six they come, so they build it straight after in a way. Well, they started construction straight after. Yeah, it's such yeah. an old building, and the most execution happened in our times in a way. <laughs> this is this is mad. Yeah, yeah. madness. Uh, right. Yeah, that, that, that's my last one. No, that was number six. <laughs> okay, excellent. Woo! So five plus one. We did it a, a bonus yeah. one. Excellent. Yeah, I gave you an extra. You're welcome. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> But, and we found out your favorite one. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, you managed to no hiding, to no hiding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was great. Thanks so much for taking the time and share this uh, Tudor buildings uh, um, with us. I'm actually would be yeah. really curious to find out about the Georgian era because I really don't know much about that era. Uh, very little. Mm -hmm. So I will be happy to welcome you for another episode if you're up to. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. That'd be great. That's great. Okay, so shall we close it? Do you have any final words? Final words from your side and let's close it. Any final words? Oh, I, I gosh, put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> I'd probably just, 
my final words would be to encourage people to get out and explore their city basically and kind of obviously at the moment whilst you can't get away sort of treat your own city like you're a tourist in it and get out and explore those are my final words excellent love it nothing else to be added here you did it great you did a great job so guys thanks so much for listening and watching uh i wish you all a fantastic day and same to you jack have a nice day And that's a wrap for yet another travel episode. Thank you so much for listening to the whole thing. If you have listened that on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. That will mean a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to me. Also, if you have a friend, a cousin, or a teacher, or anybody else who you think will be suitable for this series, please connect us and let's make this happen. Thanks so much once again. I wish you a fantastic day.